0: Chapter 9 of Where No Fear Was A Book About Fear. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Carl Thornton. Where No Fear Was A Book About Fear by Author Christopher Benson. Chapter 9 Fears of Middle Age. Now, with all the tremors, reactions, glooms, shadows, and despairs of youth, it is easy enough to forget them, but they were there, goes a power of lifting and lighting up in a moment at a chord of music, a glance, a word, the song of a bird, the scent of a flower, a flying sunburst, which fills life up like a cup with bubbling and sparkling liqueur. And that is the part of youth which we remember, till looking back it seems like a time of wandering with like-hearted comrades down some sweet-scented avenue of golden sun and green shade. Our memory plays us beautifully false, splendid Mendax, till one wishes, sometimes, that old and wise men, retelling the story of their life, could recall for the comfort of youth some part of its languor's mischances, its bitter jealousies, its intense and poignant sense of failure. And then in a moment the door of life opens. One day I was an irresponsible, pleasure-loving, fantastic youth, and a week later I was, or it seemed to me that I was, a professional man with all the cares of a pedagogue upon my back. It filled me at first, I remember, with gleeful amazement, to find myself in the desk, holding forth, instead of on the form listening. It seemed delicious at first to have the power of correcting and slashing exercises and placing boys in order instead of being corrected and examined, and competing for a place. It was a solemn game at the outset. Then came the other side of the picture. One's pupils were troublesome. They did badly in examinations. They failed unaccountably, and one had a glimpse, too, of some of the tragedies of school life. Almost insensibly I became aware that I had a task to perform, that my mistakes involved boys in disaster that i had the anxious care of other destinies and thus almost before i knew it came a new cloud on the horizon the cloud of anxiety i could not help seeing that i had mismanaged this boy and misdirected that that one could not treat him as ingenious and lively playthings but that what one said and did set a mark that perhaps could not be effaced gradually other doubts and problems made themselves felt I had to administer a system of education in which I did not wholly believe. I saw little by little that the rigid old system of education was a machine which, if it made a highly accomplished product out of the best material, wasted an enormous amount of boyish interest and liveliness, and stultified the feebler sort of mind. Then came the care of a boarding-house, close relations with parents, a more real knowledge of the infinite levity of boy-nature. I became mixed up with the politics of the place the chance of more ambitious positions floated before me the need for tact discretion judiciousness moderation tolerance emphasized itself i am here outlining my own experience but it is only one of many similar experiences i became a citizen without knowing it and my place in the world my status success all became definite things which i had to secure the cares the fears the anxieties of middle life lie for most men and women in this region if people are healthy and active they generally arrive at a considerable degree of equanimity they do not anticipate evil and they take the problems of life cheerfully enough as they come but yet come they do and too many men and women are tempted to throw overboard scornfully and disdainfully the dreams of youth as a luxury which they cannot afford to indulge and to immerse themselves in the practical cares month after month with perhaps the hope of a fairly careless and idle holiday at intervals. What I think tends to counteract this for many people is love and marriage, the wonder and amazement of having children of their own, and all the offices of tenderness that grow up naturally beside their path. But this again brings a whole host of fears and anxieties as well, arrangements, ways and means, household cares, illnesses, the homely stuff of life, much of it enjoyed, much of it cheerfully borne, and often very bravely and gallantly endured it is out of this simple material that life has to be constructed but there is a twofold danger in all this there is the danger of cynicism the frame of mind in which a man comes to face little worries as one might put up an umbrella in a shower thou knowest tis common out of that grows up a rude dreariness A philosophy which has nothing dignified about it, but is merely a recognition of the fact that life is a poor affair, and that one cannot hope to have things to one's mind. Or there is a dull frame of mind which implies a meek resignation, a sense of disappointment about life, born with a mournful patience, a sense of one's sphere having somehow fallen short of one's deserts. This produces the grumpy paterfamilias who drowses over a paper or grumbles over a pipe such a man is inimitably depicted by mr wells in marriage that sort of ugly disillusionment that publicity of disappointment that frank disregard of all concerns except one's own is one of the most hideous features of middle-class life and is rather characteristically english it sometimes conceals a robust good sense and even kindliness but is a base thing at best and seems to be the shadow of commercial prosperity yet it at least implies a certain sturdiness of character and a stubborn belief in one's own merits that is quite impervious to the lessons of experience on sensitive and imaginative people the result of the professional struggle with life the essence of which is often social pretentiousness is different it ends in a mournful and distracted kind of fatigue a tired sort of paddling along after life a timid bewilderment at conditions which one cannot alter and which yet have no dignity or seemliness What is there that is wrong with all this? Cause is easy enough to analyze. It is the result of a system that develops conventional, short-sighted, complicated households, adverse to effort, fond of pleasure, and with tastes which are expensive without being refined. The only cure would seem to be that men and women should be born different, with simple, active, generous natures. It is easy to say that, but the worst of the situation is that the sordid banality and ugly tragedy of their lot do not dawn on the people concerned greedy vanity in the more robust lack of moral courage and firmness in the more sensitive but the social organization that aims at the surface dignity and a cheap showiness are the ingredients of this devil's cauldron the worst of it is that it has no fine elements at all there is a nobility about real tragedy which invokes a quality of passionate and sincere emotion there is something essentially exalted about a fierce resistance a desperate failure But this abject, listless dreariness, which can hardly be altered or expressed, this miserable floating down the muddy current where there is no sharp repentance or fiery battling, nothing but a mean abandonment to a meaningless and unintelligible destiny, seems to have in it no seed of recovery at all. The dark shadow of professional anxiety is that it has no tragic quality. It is like plowing on day by day through endless mudflaps one does not feel in the presence of sharp suffering or bitter loss that they ought not to exist they are there stern implacable august stately enemies great combatants there is a significance about their very awfulness one may fall before them but they pass like a great express train roaring flashing things deliberately and intently designed but these dull failures which seem not the outgrowth of any one's fierce longing or willful passion but of everyone's laziness and greediness and stupidity how is one to face them it is the helpless death of the quagmire not the death of the fight or the mountain top is there we ask ourselves anything in the mind of god which corresponds to comfort loving vulgarity if so strong yet so stagnant a stream can overflow the world the bourgeois ideal one would rather have tyranny or savagery than anything so gross and smug. And yet, we see high spirited and ardent husbands drawn into this by obstinate and vulgar minded wives. We see fine natured and sensitive women engulfed in it by selfish and ambitious husbands. The tendency is awful and horribly strong, and it wins not by open combat, but by secret and dull persistence. And one sees, too, I have seen it many times, children of delicate and eager natures who would have flourished and expanded in more generous air become conventional and commonplace and petty concerned about knowing the right people and doing the right things and making the same stupid and paltry show which deceives no one there is nothing for it but independence and simplicity and perhaps best of all a love of beauty william morris asserted passionately enough that art was the only cure for all this dreariness the love of beautiful sounds and sights and words And I think that is true, if it be further extended to the perception of the quality of beauty in the conduct and relations of life. For those are the cheap and reasonable pleasures of life, accessible to all. And if men and women cared for work first and the decent simplicities of wholesome living, and could further find their pleasure in art, in whatever form, then I believe that many of these fears and anxieties, so maiming and impairing to all that is fine in life, would vanish quietly out of being. The thing seems both beautiful and possible because one knows of households where it is so, and where it grows up naturally and easily enough. I know households of both kinds, where on one hand the standard is ambitious and mean, where the inmates calculate everything with a view to success, or rather, to producing an impression of success, and there all talks and intercourse is an unreal thing, not the outflow of natural interests and pleasant tastes, but a sham culture and a refinement which is only pursued because it is the right sort of surface to present to the world. One submits to it with boredom. One leaves it with relief. They have got the right people together. They have shown that they can command their attendance. It is all ceremony and waste. And then I know households where one sees in the books, the pictures, the glances, the gestures, the movements of the inmates, a sort of grace and delicacy which comes of really caring about things that are beautiful and fine. Sincere things are simply said. Humor bubbles up and breaks in laughter one feels that light is thrown on a hundred topics and facts and personalities the whole of life then becomes a garden teeming with strange and wonderful secrets and influences that flash and radiate passing on into some mysterious and fragrant bloom everything there seems charged with significance and charm there are no pretenses there are preferences prejudices if you will but there is tolerance and sympathy and a desire to see the point of view of others The effect of such an atmosphere is to set one wondering how one has contrived to miss the sense of so much that is beautiful and interesting in life, and sends one away longing to perceive more, and determined, if possible, to interpret life more truly and graciously. End of chapter 9. Recorded by Carl Thornton.